0: Love,
1: talk radio. Love, Talk radio.
0: Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clutch. This is Marianne Russo. Thank you for joining us tonight. I want to introduce Chuck Wally. He will be writing "Shotgun," as he calls it, over um, on our tweet chats. We're going to have Twitter open and Blog Talk tonight, so you can interact with each other. And um, I want to thank the editors of Blog Talk Radio for choosing tonight's show as a pick of the day. It is very much appreciated. Tonight, we have two great people doing great things for today's kids. Judge Alex Ferrer, and later in the show, Judge Glenda Hatchett. Former police officer, attorney, and Florida Circuit Court judge, Judge Alex Ferrer hosts the syndicated TV court show, Judge Alex. Now in its sixth season, Judge Alex recently aired a two-part special on bullying and has taken an active role with his anti-bullying campaign. So welcome, Judge Alex Ferrer. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Um, you know, I think that you have a unique perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, on many issues due to your being a police officer, an attorney, a judge, and you know not insignificantly a father so um you know, as with many of our guests that come on as legal experts, we speak in general terms, and I want to relate to the audience that Judge Alex will not and cannot give us specific legal advice and um you know with state laws that vary um, so greatly, especially in this case it 's really not ap- applicable so i 'm not going to put you on the spot tonight, Judge Alex.
2: Well, I mean, I, you can put me on the spot, but I wouldn't have—I'm sure I wouldn't have a precise answer because with 50 states and uh, so many of them do have anti-bullying laws, but they vary so dramatically from you know laws that may have some teeth to laws that are more resolution than recommendation. Uh, but you know, everybody can check their own states to see what their state does. But luckily, everybody's starting to notice that it's a real problem.
0: Yeah, and you know, we we do have that posted um, on our Facebook page where we keep that updated. But the laws are per state. Um, you aired a two-part series on bullying, and it was terrific. Thank
2: you. Um, you know,
0: it really was. I mean, for my audience of special needs parents, I mean, this is a huge issue, in a, you know, because a lot of the children are nonverbal or they're cognitively impaired, so they're often easy targets, but all children are dealing with this bullying. And you had Antoine Dodson on the show, who, you know, everyone knows. I mean, unless you live under a rock, you've seen the viral YouTube video of him after the break-in in his house. Um, Yeah, yeah, you know, and and, and he spoke of his bullying for years in his childhood, and I was actually glad that you had him on, because I think he he really showed himself in a different light on your special. Um, You know, why did you choose Antoine, and what was your initial reaction when you heard that, you know, he had been bullied to the point that he couldn't take it any longer and he actually stabbed his um, abuser's?
2: I think you saw my initial reaction because I found out about it during the show that he actually said. You're kidding!
0: Somebody. No, I didn't know. No, yeah,
2: we didn't. We, I mean, we knew that uh, you know the producers on my show who book cases had come across some information that he had been a victim of bullying, and so we thought, well, this is a good, high-profile, uh, popular with this generation because of his, his viral video individual and we, and we want to draw attention to it so it'd be good to talk about what he's gone through because everybody knows him a totally different way but i did i didn't know about that i mean you know for, for your audience it didn't see the special uh antoine is the uh the the, the guy who, who made it popular on the internet when he gave this interview with the media when his house uh his, his sister was was physically attacked sexually assaulted in his own house and and he was talking to the uh to the media and very. Uh, I guess, emotional terms. And uh, he was saying, hide your kids, hide your wife. Uh, there's right. a rapist in this area. And it was, it was tur- actually turned into a song that, that ended up making enough money for him that uh, he was able to move his family out of that horrible neighborhood. But, but what I found out during the interview was, you know, he'd been bullied since he was about seven or eight, since about second grade all the way through his graduation. And it got so bad that at the point where he was about 11 or 12, you know, some other kid came by while he was eating breakfast in school and poured rat poison in his cereal, and he had been bullied every day. So that day he had just snapped and had brought a kitchen knife to school. And at, uh, I think he said, 11 years old, he jumped up and stabbed a kid in the hand. Um, so, you know, the bullying, you know, a lot of people will say, well, what's the big deal? Come on, we were all bullied. And yeah, we were all bullied. Uh, but bullying today is different. It just is so much different than when we were kids. I mean, uh, you know, in, in 2005 alone, 270 children from the 10- to 14-year age group killed themselves. In Massachusetts right. alone, uh, I think since 2002 in Massachusetts alone, 15 school children from ages 11 to 14 committed suicide. Uh, it, it, bullying is, is much more intensive, and it's taken on such a different and more emotional aspect when we develop cyberbullying. And uh, we can we can certainly talk about that. It's a whole new category of bullying, but it's just it's not a oh come on. It's just a matter of growing up. Everybody goes through it. it it's not like to use that old car commercial saying this isn't your daddy's your know, your daddy's bullying.
0: It's a right. different breed. Right. And you know we are going to go into um, cyberbullying because I think it's a huge problem. But you know I wanted to just talk a little bit more about Antoine because what I was hearing from him was that he was not being heard. And a lot of it um, really could have been avoided if teachers or parents or somebody, if an adult, would have just taken a stand for these, this kid. So, um, you know, why do you think that some parents and teachers are dismissing bullying, and what is it that they need to do?
2: Well, I, I think that a lot of them dismiss Well, when we're talking about parents, unless you are absolutely unfit to be a parent, you don't dismiss bullying because you don't care what happens to your child. You dismiss bullying because... You grew up and you were picked on, and the kids outgrew it, and it was no big deal. Uh, and like I said, it's just it's just not those days anymore. Uh, if you're a te- if you're a teacher, then it's either the same or it's because you've become so burnt out. And I, you know, I know teachers; they go through the same thing that police officers go through. You go through this this complete burnout in your jobs sometimes because teachers don't get the support that they should, and and Teachers are, are some of my best heroes because you know they do incredible work for our society for incredibly low pay, uh, but they get to, they do get to a burnout point where they don't want to be bothered. It's like you know what, tough it out, forget it, don't worry about it, uh, and they and some of them just frankly are inept. I mean, we all know teachers that we wish weren't teachers, um, but what what they should be doing is taking it seriously. I'll, I'll give you an example. I've, I spoke recently at a school in L.A. And uh, at, at uh, John Burroughs Middle School, and to their credit, the principal there has a zero tolerance policy on bullying. And they have they have bullying happen. It's not it's not like oh well this particular middle school doesn't have it. They absolutely do. They've got all kinds of you know middle middle school is where it starts. All the kids that want to be gang bangers or whatever they start becoming problematic. Um, and his policy is is very clear. You you report an incident of bullying. He calls the student in. And basically tells them it ends here. If, if if you give another look to this boy, if you if you uh, raise your hand to this boy or girl, it can be either one. It's most commonly right. boys, but no cyberbullying. It's not. Um, you you know if there's any more friction, you're gone. And if there is, they're gone. He, you know he has the right perspective, and the perspective is schools are to educate our children. Okay, I want to raise my kids to be tough. I can take care of it at home. I can put them in martial arts. I can do all kinds of things. When I send them to school, I want them to learn. I want them to be educated. And if your kids don't want to go to school in the morning because they're so terrified of the kid who's picking on them, they they are not going to learn. You're wasting right. your time.
0: And school so phobia that, is a huge red flag. That's, you know, one of the first signs of bullying. Which,
2: which one would you say?
0: Um, the school phobia, when children don't oh, want to absolutely. go to school.
2: Yeah. There are a lot of yeah, there are a lot of signs. If you saw that two-part special, we had a we had a, a mother on there whose 6-year-old child was starting to be bullied. Oh,
0: and that uh hard. unlike yeah.
2: unlike Ant- Antoine's school, uh, you know, unlike Antoine's Antoine's school which really did nothing. At least her school was taking the complaint seriously and acting on them. but the, you know, the boy was still talking about his little 6-year-old telling you that he goes to school and sometimes they slap him in the face and sometimes they shove him and sometimes they call him names and things like that. You know, if that's your kid, you know, you really want to put an end to that. The 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 principal at the school I mentioned took the right approach. It, our kids should go to school and not have to worry about what is going to happen other than, you know, doing their lesson plan and, and getting good grades. Um, teachers, you know, they they obviously they need to report it. You know, if we're going to go out there and tell kids, which I do, I tell kids, listen, when I was a cop, and I, I was a cop at 19, I was – I was the youngest cop in Miami, and I arrested a lot of people who were older than me. I arrested very few who were younger than me, so I arrested a lot of people who were in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s. And you know, some of them did not take kindly to this young kid arresting them. But the one thing I always had was I always had backup. You know, I always had right. uh, plenty, plenty of officers who, if I needed help, were there. And I tell the same thing to kids. I go, you don't, you know, don't go through this alone. If you're being picked on, if you're being bullied. Tell an adult. Tell your parents. Tell your teacher. Uh, you know, teacher, an adult you trust. The teacher you trust. Uh, you know, because if we if we all do it together, okay. If the, if the kid reports it, the child reports it, and the teacher or parent takes it seriously, and the the principal or the school acts on it, bullying will end. I mean, this is actually a problem that can be brought to an end. But if there's a, a break in that chain, if if the student reports it and the teacher does nothing about it or the school does nothing about it then uh, or the parent thinks it's no big deal then really all you've done is you set up the child for worse
0: and you know the the boy that you're speaking of uh his name is Ezeek and he was a beautiful little boy his mother was Denise um you know, and as you said, he was, you know, abused, uh, bullied since he was sick. And, you know, as you said, in this case, the mother was very involved in school, his, in his life, and, you know, it still happened, and luckily there was a different outcome. But, you know, I think we should go into a bit about the history of the family dynamics with Zeke and why, you know, you feel and, and, you know, why I feel that, you know, he may have been more vulnerable to being bullied due to those family dynamics
2: well his, you know his mother did say on the show that she felt that he was more vulnerable to being bullied uh because she was the victim of some abusive behavior herself that occurred in front of him right. and uh, and that, that may very well be true the opposite is also true you know we, we can't ignore the bullies in the in the scenario because you know they they need help just like the victims need help uh, to break this cycle, because I will tell you that that the majority of kids who bully in school end up in the criminal justice system.
1: Right, I think
0: sixty uh, percent on the show you had said sixty percent wind up. I mean that's yeah. staggering.
2: It is staggering. It is staggering yeah. because that if that, be- that behavior is not corrected, and uh, but but so the other side of the coin is a lot of kids they learn the bullying behavior somewhere in most cases. Either they see it at home. And they see kind of an abusive relationship at home, and they become abusive, or they've been bullied themselves, and it turns them into a bully they've been picked on they've been picked right. on, and they turn around and start picking on somebody who they can pick on so you know they you know the problem has to be addressed from both ends. I did want to mention that there was another mother on the show, and that was a really tragic part of the yeah. show and i you know and that was uh, that was a mother who had lost her uh thirteen year old son and you know it was it was really tragic to hear her recount the last day with him because uh you know she talked about the fact that that uh he had complained that he'd been bullied and bullied and bullied by his he was an assistant coach for the baseball team but he was the youngest Kid, The baseball team players were all two years older than him, and they picked on him like crazy, and they stole his glove, and they did all kinds of stuff on him, and it was just getting to him, and his parents were looking to get him help, they moved him to another school, but by then he wasn't, and these are some of the signs you look for, you know, classic depression signs, you'd sleep, you either sleep all day or you can't sleep at all at night. Uh, that he he had stopped playing his favorite ga- games. Uh, you know he was very good on the trampoline. He would spend all the time doing tramp on the trampoline, playing with it, and, and he just completely gave it up. Or a video game he loved, and uh, you know on the last day she she talked to him. He didn't want to go to school, and she said, uh, you know, you know we're gonna help you. We're gonna help you. You know, and she he climbed up a tree, and she actually climbed up after him and talked to him and said don't worry we're going to help you through this she she had to go to work she went to work and her husband was looking at the insurance to see what help they could get and her son went into the office and called her her husband and said basically um, daddy i called to say goodbye and then he shot himself
0: you know it's, and, it's 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 just horrible and it's happening so frequently and i think that you know also that people need to understand that children that are genetically predisposed to um depression, anxiety disorders, they are so vulnerable. And, you know, Absolutely. there are a lot of signs, like you said, You know, there's a loss of interest in things they used to enjoy. Um, there's school phobia, there's giving away possessions, there's the sleeping, and not, uh, some other children, they, they can't sleep. So, I mean, parents really have to be alerted. And, you know, there are some really sobering statistics. I don't know if, you, if you're aware of some of these statistics that, um, you know, suicide is the third le- leading cause of death among young people.
2: Well- Absolutely. Suicide yeah. rates among 10 to 14 year olds have grown uh, more than 50% over the last three decades. That's why I said it's not your, you know, this is not bullying from when we were kids. You know, no. it's, it's, it's taken on a totally different tone. And, and I, I tell parents, I say, you know, everybody's busy. We're all busy. And we like to think that everything is just going to run like clockwork without our involvement. But just a five minute discussion once a day with your kids. I mean, five minutes a day isn't a lot to ask for you to talk no, to your own children. Please, really? Should it give you an indication and in whether there's a problem in that area or any other area? Because let's face it, kids today are exposed to all kinds of problems, whether it be drugs or alcohol or bullying or, or criminal behavior or whatever. A five-minute discussion with your children once a day um, should be enough to give you some insight into where their head's at and what's going on. Um, and that's not I don't think a lot to ask from parents.
0: Right, I mean, it really, it's, it's the quality time, it's the spending the time, it's getting to know their friends. You know, it's really so important because, you know, a few more statistics I, statistics I just wanted to throw out there, I, and I want to say thank you to Cindy Nelson at NAMI for sending me these. Um, you know, 10- to 14-year-old girls are, are at the highest risk for suicide, and um, 160,000 kids stay home every day because of bullying. So, um, you know, th- this really is having a huge impact on the kids. And as you said, you know, a great teacher is great. And, you know, a bad teacher who's burnt out and has just lost interest, dude, could, could, this could be a life or death situation. So. Well, you know, um, that,
2: and that's funny because I, I bring that up when I speak to teachers because, I, when, you know, when I spoke at the John Burroughs Middle School, the week before I spoke, two thirteen 13-year-old boys had killed themselves because they were being bullied, one in Texas, one in California. And, uh, you know, I... I mentioned to the, to the teachers, I say, you know, um, you 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 can we can ignore this because you know it just adds work to you. But you know these two these two boys who are 13 years old, I know as I know teachers get burned out. Seth Wallace was one of them. I'm sorry, Seth Wallace from California, and um, um, Asher Brown from Texas. I said, no matter how burnt are you, how burnt out you are, I imagine that. You would hate to wake up tomorrow morning and read in the paper that your student was Seth Walsh or Asher Brown and that he'd come to you and complained right. about bullying, and you did nothing, and now you read that he took his life because of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't think no matter how burnt out a teacher is, I don't think they want that on their conscience, which is which is why I try to drive that point home.
0: Right. And I think it goes above their heads also because, I mean, I just am so fortunate. That our district here has absolute zero tolerance. And, you know, um, I want to just go back to one more thing you said, and then I want to move on to a little bit more of the legal aspect. um, You know, we have on psychiatrists and psychologists that discuss the psychology of bullying all the time, and almost without incident, the bully has, you know, has unaddressed emotional issues. And, you know, they present with this bravado, and, you know, they're trying to cover up, and they erroneously try to gain self-esteem. And, um, you know, I think that there has to come a point where there's some age where excuses, you know, become not only intolerant but insignificant in, you know, the eyes of uh, law enforcement or, um, you know, or judges. So, you know, I guess really what I'm asking is what legal options are there for parents, you know, both of the child being bullied and the child that is out of control and bullying others? Is the onus always on the school and the parents?
2: Well, I mean, the onus is on them to the extent that it has to be brought to the attention of the authorities. Um, but you know there are as i said there are depending on the state, there are some anti bullying laws, but generally, assault and battery are usually well, those are on the books everywhere, and those are usually used if the child has actually been been struck or battered or injured in some way. Uh, the problem is that the parents have to pursue it and and my My attitude is this: you know, my children are my world now, thank god they 're beyond that age now they 're in college but but if, if somebody was injuring my child, threatening my child at school, then if they're, if it's not going to be resolved by the school, then I'm going to take whatever action is necessary to make sure that it doesn't go any further. And if that means involving the police by filing a police report and filing a formal complaint saying, I want charges brought, then I, I will do that.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's,
2: Because, you know, this is my child, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect them. And if the police officer is hesitant to write the report because, oh, come on, its kids will be kids, then I'm going to ask for the sergeant, and I'm going to ask for the lieutenant, and I'm going to ask for whoever I have to up the chain of command until I get the report written and then the school's attention. And same with teachers. If it's not going to happen because the teacher really is not going to do anything or the school is not going to do anything, like, uh, you know, that tragically that case involving the child who, who killed himself Um, uh, the the mother was telling us that she had gone to the schools and, like, one of the kids from the baseball team actually got her son in the gym and beat the tar out of him. Uh And he beat him really, really badly, and the school just treated it as a fight between two students.
0: Well, I think that's one of the problems, because, you know, I guess that this could be, you know, as far as, you know, drawing up legislation, it could be so subjective, so, you know, it well, has to, in my mind,
2: be so clearly written. Well, yes and no. I mean, let's face it, anytime somebody gets involved in a battery, they can always come to court and say, well, right. this was this was mutual combat. I mean, we had decided to fight, and we just started fighting, and, and now he lost, and he's trying to complain. But that doesn't prevent people from prosecuting a battery it's up for the it's up to the finder of fact whether it's the judge or the jury to decide whether they believe the defense and in most cases of bullying there are witnesses you've got a you know usually bullies like they thrive on the attention and the power and they right. do it in the school hallways in front of all these other students so you have other students who witnessed it so the the evidence is there it's a matter of assembling it and and what i tell students when i speak at assemblies is I, I tell the victims, if you're being picked on, then, you know, don't don't just take it. Tell an adult, a trusted adult, a teacher you trust, a teacher you've got a good relationship with, your parents, you know, tell somebody. That's the most right. important thing for you. But secondly, I tell the other people who are bystanders. I say, you know, uh, I, I, there are always bystanders watching. And most of the time, the bystanders are nervous because they're basically thinking to themselves, thank God it's not me. But, uh, you know, they, uh, they'll, they you know, laugh or whatever out of out of nervousness, and I always say to them, you know, imagine it's you in the middle there, and everybody's standing right. around watching you get the tar beat out of you. You know, you wouldn't right. think that's so so cute. So I always encourage the bystanders to go get a teacher right away, or go get an, uh, an adult, a janitor, whoever right away. Um, and you know, with that kind of involvement, where, where the the victim will report and the bystanders will will uh, back them up and 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 you know tell the when they're asked tell the teacher or the principal or whoever. It can be shut down. It absolutely can. This is not an unsolvable problem.
0: But that's more of a blatant case when there's, you know, physical, like you said, you know, and it's really an assault and battery, but, you know, oftentimes it's emotional, and these children are tormented, and, you know, that's really like where I think that the line has to be drawn. I mean, you know, how can you um, decide what's being abusive? I mean, these children, I mean, and bullying doesn't just have to be, you know, the herd mentality in words. It could just be excluding a child to the point that they're devastated.
2: Yeah, you know, that, you know, that gets that gets a lot harder hard. to enforce. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that absolutely gets a lot harder to enforce. And you know, there's you know, there, there's no way that you're going to be able to legislate uh, exclusion. I mean, there's just people people right. can associate with whoever they want or not associate with whoever they want, no matter how uh, ill will their decision. Um, so that that is much harder. As far as the verbal, absolutely, the verbal is often the more more devastating than the physical. Um, but usually, the verbal leads to physical, whether it be a shove, a push, a slap, or something. Uh, With at least with boys. With girls, it's often a different ball game. You know, if uh, girls do the, uh, the, they do the whole cyberbullying. Yeah, they are. That's where I'm heading
0: to next. Actually, I just had one question for you though. Before we go into the cyberbullying, you had stated on that special that 86% of gay and lesbian students are harassed and bullied. So, you know, if taken to the extreme, could this be considered a hate crime if bullying is directed at someone who's gay or lesbian or a minority? Would that be considered Absolutely.
2: a hate crime? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, problem is, the problem is not categorizing it as a hate crime. The problem is proving that that's the motivation, but depending on the words, you know, because obviously most of the time when it's driven by that animosity towards gays or lesbians or uh, transgender or whatever, the, you know, the, the bullying takes on a different form and, and the words they use are specific to that. So if a, if a state has a particular hate crime statute, uh, it, it certainly could fall in that category.
0: And parents need to really, you know, to enforce their their rights. They really do. I mean, parents can't be intimidated if they feel that their child is not being um, cared for, that their child is not safe. They need to step up and and go to the authorities or go to the superintendent of the district because, you know, it's not right and the the children are just suffering. And now with these SMUT lists, and form spring and sexting and you know even Facebook.
1: Yeah, you know, these kids yep. are
0: brutal, especially the girls. They're so oh, prohibited no, to vicious. say and display really hurtful things. So, you know, what constitutes cyberbullying as far as the law goes? Um, and are laws different for face to face bullying versus cyberbullying?
2: Well, um the answer to that is as varied as the, the different states. The problem you run into with cyberbullying is, is um, well, there are several problems that you run into with cyberbullying. One of them is it doesn't happen on school property. Um, and the other is that it's, you run into the whole freedom of speech argument. And, um, you know, I think that we have over the years, and I'm a, I am a big protector of, of the First Amendment, uh, obviously, having been a judge for so many years, um, one of the problems that we have is that, that we tend to cloak everything in the First Amendment, and there is incredible hate speech that I don't right. think deserves that protection. And, and what a lot of people forget is the First Amendment is not absolute. If you want to test how absolute the First Amendment is or actually is not, go to the airport and volunteer that you want to blow up an airplane. And watch how fast you are tackled, put in handcuffs, and led off to jail. And you can right. yell all you want about your First Amendment rights as they're slamming the cell door. It's not absolute. And and I just, you know, I cringe at times when I see efforts being made to protect absolutely um, useless and uh, hateful insults and comments under the cloak of the First Amendment, like that... Um, I forget the name of that the Westboro Baptist Baptist Church that protests oh, on the, right. you know at the funerals right. of soldiers okay so yeah i I do believe that that when we go into the cyberbullying area, there are more difficulties, but it's well, still is it state or
0: federal when you when you're um when it's cyberbullying,
2: well, it can be either to be honest, it could be okay. either, but mo- I, most- most statutes I'm aware of are state, mm-hmm. but it, okay. you know, there's no reason that it has to be state but um uh, the you know the the well since, since you mentioned cyberbullying I had on the top of my head that is where girls are the worst when we yeah. talk about girls and guys but but women say the absolute worst things over the internet and the one thing the internet does is it it cloaks the person a lot of times with with anonymity even if even if they don't want to take advantage of it because a lot of right. people are very happy to put their name on the insult uh, but it cloaks the person with anonymity and they can either hide behind it or they can pretend to be somebody else. Uh, like that that girl out of, uh, I think it was Missouri, who ended up hanging herself, which, by the way, is the way most teens end up killing themselves these days, is by hanging. Uh, or or when gun. They, was, yeah. They, a gun.
0: I exposed. think it's equal yeah. with a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So the, um, uh, and she ended up, you remember, another, another student's mother was pretending to have a profile of a boy and then just absolutely berated her.
0: Right.
2: Uh, and until the girl committed suicide. So it, it's one of the worst problems, I think.
0: Well, I mean, in that case, the, the parent is obviously, because that was her own actions. But, you know, I was wondering, if you have a child and you know that your child is bullying, either physically, cyberbullying, emotionally bullying, and they are bullying to the point that they have pushed another child to commit suicide or be unable to function or go to school, could the parent be held accountable for the child's behavior if they were aware that this was going on?
2: Yes, yes and no. Uh, the, the liability of a parent depends on the jurisdiction you live in. In some states, the parent is liable if the parent either knew or assisted, aided, encouraged a child to do an act that led okay. to this. For example, uh, you know, I uh, um, it's just general negligence principles. I take my child outside and, uh, you know, I, I tell him, hey, shoot this BB gun over there, see if you can hit that, that mailbox, and he shoots it and misses the mailbox and knocks out somebody's window. My child shot the BB gun, but I'm responsible because I encouraged him to do it, Um, as opposed to he just went out there and shot the window out by mistake, and, and I didn't know. In jurisdictions that impose that kind of liability on a parent, the parent would be liable. If they assisted the child, let's say they knew, an argument could certainly be made, they knew the child was using the computer to bully, they allowed him access to it, they didn't restrict them in any way, an argument could be made that they assisted and aided the child in continuing this behavior. But for some states that go further and say, hey, you know what, we don't care about that. If, if your child did an intentional act that injured somebody, not a negligent act, like I was shooting at a mailbox and I missed and I hit a window, but I actually shot at the window or I actually bullied this person and tormented them, those jurisdictions will say parent is liable because the act was an intentional tort. It was, it was not a negligent act. Uh, so, yeah, it varies depending on the jurisdiction. That's why that's why I hesitate to get into discussions of the law because you have a right. very broad audience, and, and the law that applies to part of your audience will not apply to the other part of your audience. It, it varies from state to state.
0: Right. And um, you know, how do you feel about spyware? I know that, you know, a lot of parents now are installing spyware Absolutely. Yeah, you know, Ab- you and me both. You know, let me no, tell you no, something. No, no, no. if my daughter is depressed and she something's up, I wanna know what it is. I don't care I mean, if my, yeah. I don't
2: care if I don't care if my daughter's depressed or not. When when you're a minor, you're a minor and you're you're you know right. you're your rights under my roof, if you're my child, are limited. Okay, I get, I know, I get to know what you're involved in. I get to know what you're doing, and I, I want your password.
0: Right, I, will if tell I can't you, have I'll your password, you right now, something's up. <laughs>
2: there, well, there, there are parents out there who are living a very naive life. Um, they're not aware of, and as a judge, I'm very aware of of what middle age uh, middle middle school students and high school students are involved in. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of parents are out there like, you know, out of sight, out of mind. If I hadn't heard anything bad, my kid must not be involved in anything. Meanwhile, their kids are having sex, they're, uh, you know, getting high, they're drinking alcohol, and they're in middle school. Right. So, the, you know, absolutely. Go out there and buy. There are plenty of spyware on it. Put it on the computer, if you you know, and you you, you may head off a problem and be able to fix it before it becomes insurmountable.
0: Right. And, you know, it's the type of thing where if there's nothing going on in your child's life, it's there and if something is alarming if they are getting involved with the wrong crowd or drinking or whatever you know you're going to be able to head it off you know and i yeah. it's like i call it the um, moron mentality where um you know like the parents that allow children to drink at their house underage because i'd rather have them do it at my house you know well there's you know um, there was
2: a parent who got sued for that because he had a, they a base, should be. like, it was here. Party. It was right and here, house. where
0: I live. Was oh, it? Okay.
2: All right. I remember that he had he had all his son's friends or his children's friends over. I think it was his son's friends, and they had this big party. And he took everybody's car keys and said, "Okay, you guys can drink because I've got all your car keys. Nobody's leaving this house. You're spending the night here." And so one of the kid's parents, I think it was, said, "I didn't authorize you to let my son to get, get, get drunk." And he provided alcohol because it was his house. And uh, you know, it's I can understand his motivation that I, I was trying to keep the kids safe because if if I don't let them, they'll drive away and they'll go somewhere and they'll drink and then they'll be drive. I understand your motivation, but you're still breaking the law.
0: Right. I mean, it's a parent's liability. I'd say if any if I see kids walking up my driveway with backpacks on a Saturday, <laughs> they're <laughs> not coming in. <laughs> <laughs> You know, well, I don't uh, play least, that game here. At least you might
2: want to search that backpack. <laughs>
0: right. No, no, I tell him you can leave it outside and come in. <laughs> I mean, uh, Listen, I have them from port. 25 to 15, <laughs> so I, yeah, I've okay. been through no. it all. Um, port, I just poor want kid's to,
2: got all these games on the backpack, and he's not going to allow to bring them in the house.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got the games. That's not the concern. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really okay. want to thank you for joining us. You were a terrific guest. Um, where can people watch the two-part series? Is it on YouTube or Hulu? You know, I
2: don't know, but
0: I oh, well, I'll, I'll find what, out I, and I, I'll, I'll uh, post Yeah, it. I was
2: going to say, I, you know, I have a Facebook page. Um, I have a Facebook page. Uh, I think it's uh, dot, mm-hmm. see, Judge Alex. let Alex TV. But if you go, if you go to Judge dot com, there's a link to my Facebook page and to my Twitter page. And I'm going to make sure that my administrator, uh, site administrator, posts uh, information about where you can watch that two part series. If it's not posted up on the site, we will post it up on the on the Judge Alex site or something. But
0: Terrific. we'll put information okay. on Facebook. Terrific. I see that Judge Hatchett is uh, calling in but I just want to let the audience know that you are not only on Twitter but you are one of the celebrities, you know, like Judge Hatchett, who's coming on that really does interact and read and reply to your followers and um, you know that's actually how we first met when you were first getting your footing, yes. and you're equally you engaged Twitter yes. <laughs> <That> was, <sorry. laughs> um, You are equally engaged on your Facebook fan page, which is one of the most unique forums i've ever seen um, your Facebook <laughs> is uh, like a reality show spinoff, and you're the incredible yeah. cast of characters who just adore you. And they're having a lot of fun. Uh, well, so jump I over to um, they are they're great. Jump over to Facebook and follow Judge Alex. Follow him on Twitter, Judge Alex Ferrer. And thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Take care. Hello, Judge Hatchett. Hi.
1: Good evening. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you very much. Looking forward. I've Been looking forward to this. So really happy I am, to connect with you tonight.
0: I am so happy to have you on. Let me introduce you first. Um, you were once chosen one of the 100 best and brightest women in corporate America, later appointed chief presiding judge of the Fulton County Georgia Juvenile Court, host of the syndicated court TV show Judge Hatchett, and now author and speaker. Uh, you've been a champion for children, and, and I'm honored to have you join us. Um, I just want to say not only did I read both of your books, but I loved them. Absolutely oh, loved
1: them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I thank you very much.
0: You know, the first book was "Say What You Mean and Mean What You Say," uh, saving your child from a troubled world. And um, you know, it's just such a wonderful blend of your experiences as a mother and your insights from you know being a judge with you know so many troubled children. And I really want to compliment you on offering a really straightforward. Um, yet a compassionate guide for parenting. I mean, it was it was really wonderful. But for tonight's interview, I want to discuss your latest release, Dare to Take Charge, How to Live Your Life on Purpose. And, you know, my audience are parents of special needs children. And people yes. may be wondering what this book has anything to do with raising special needs children. And to that, I am going to tell them everything. I mean, although you have not written this for special needs children and parenting, Um, You know, I couldn't help but think as I was reading it, this is what these parents need to get. This is what they need to hear. So I am just thrilled that you wrote it, and I'm thrilled that I'm going to be able to bring it to these parents.
1: Well, let me just say to you how much I appreciate the work that you're doing and the voice that you are uh, raising and offering in advocating for the parents of special needs children. So I just want to thank you. And I have been looking forward to this for weeks and weeks and weeks and and delighted that that both Judge Alex and I could could share this platform tonight. But to your point about Dare to Take Charge, um, although you're right, it was not written specifically targeted for parents of special needs children, Um, I do think it speaks uh, very clearly to um, To support them and encourage them, and to cheer them on. Um, right. I think the, we often uh, think that we kind of look at what we, what what our challenges are, and as you know, this book really challenges us to look at to count our blessings. Yes, and to look at what we have, um, and to look and do the best we have with what we we have before us. And I think, you know, every chapter really speaks to a specific life lesson. And as you know, at the end of every chapter, there are questions that really challenge us to look deep, deep, deep into our soul. Um, and one of the challenges that I think particularly parents, and this competition is not just tonight, I know, and I've been watching the the uh, announcements about tonight, is not just for parents and special needs children, but of course that is your core audience that it really does challenge all of us to Absolutely. look into our souls and, and figure out what we're doing and how we're living our lives on purpose and with great passion and great intention.
0: You know, and I, and I think, you know, it's important to be said that, you know, most of the parents that have special needs children have children that do not have special needs. So exactly. um you know it it's 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 really a balancing act so i'm going to go um i'm going to touch upon my favorite quotes from most of the okay. chapters and let oh, you great. just comment and inspire because oh, you know i think that you could just just inspire the uh these parents so the first chapter that i'm going to discuss is how dare you not and your aunt mm. Frances was a pillar in your family. I mean, you wrote about her so beautifully. And her words changed your life forever. And I want to, you know, quote forever. what she said. She said, baby, if it were easy, everybody and their mama would be able to do it, to, to to do what you're trying to do. But it isn't easy. And you've been uniquely situated and blessed with the gifts to be able to do what you set out to do. And I just loved it. So how are we all uniquely situated?
1: We are, and and we have to really think about what our gifts are and what our talents are, and, and I sometimes challenge audiences. I say, you know, if, if there's anybody in here who really doesn't think they have any gifts, I want you to stand up, and of course nobody ever stands up. But to give your audience a little bit of background about that quote, I was on the verge of getting up on my dream, um, and I went out of pure frustration to see my Aunt Frances, my grandmother's sister, who was like a third grandmother to me, and I'll make this very sink because I know there are a lot of pieces that we want to touch on tonight in a short time. Um, And what she said is, you know, how bad do you want to be a lawyer? Because I was like, okay, this law school stuff is just, whoa, mercy, I don't know that I can do this. You know, it's my first year in law school, I was working full time. And I was really at a point of just a pity party for myself. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. And she brought me out of this fog by saying, baby, if it were easy, everybody could do it, but you have been uniquely situated. And that's what we have to remember, that we can't give up on our dreams before the breakthrough. And, And that, I'm telling you, as I say in the book, that changed my life forever. And I promised myself, I got up off that sofa that day with a rod in my back and then I said if there was anything ever that I really wanted, that I promised myself that I would not give up uh, without giving it my best shot, um, and that's what she taught me is that you know you have been uniquely situated to do what you are called on to do, and right. so in other words, you know, get out that pity party and get your you know get yourself in gear and get on with your life. And how I like that you use that. Um, I,
0: I like that you use pity party because I tell parents that all the time. They're sick of me saying it. I tell them. You know, when you get the diagnosis, when you're going through it, have your pity party, have a cry, you deserve it. But brush yourself off and get yourself together. And, um, you know, I call it the life unexpected, the one you were meant to have. So, you know, I think that really um, this book really discusses that also, that, you know, this is your life. You make of it what you're going to make of it. And I like that, um, you know, the next um, chapter that I was going to quote from is the way you define dare, because I had never understood dare to be. I mean, I've never heard it in such a positive way. And you wrote that when we do something unusual, significant, or in some way remarkable, we dare and are generally commended. We have the hope to dream. We have the courage to try. We insist on being persistent. We have the will to become all that we are able. So, you know, dare it takes on a whole new meaning in this book.
1: It does, and it's purposeful. You know that I that I did it. That, you know, I just hit this other side of dare. Because you know, it's like when we were kids. I dare you, honey. I double dog dare you. I right. double double dog dare you. And this is really a different piece of looking at ourselves from a position of strength, a position of being positive, a position of being hopeful, and doing what we are called on to do. Um and so the acronym that I use as you know throughout the book when these these are exercises at the end of each chapter dare D A R E dreams are realities every day and we have to dare to claim them. We only have this wonderful amazing um gift called life. And how dare we not step up? How dare we squander our blessings? How dare we not try to be the absolute best that we can be for ourselves and for our children and generations yet born.
0: Right. And, you know, I think that sometimes in despair it's so hard for people to see it. And, um, you know, you wrote in the, mm-hmm. in the chapter, Hope to Joy, um, you know, life without optimism can turn from dream to nightmare and can make us wonder whether, you know, we're experienced. You know all there is to life, so you know I, I think that you know so many parents and people you know in general are just going through such difficult times that you know how can how can you inspire them um, who for the most part do not find hope and optimism as part of their lives? How how do they choose hope? Because you speak about them choosing hope.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's not automatic. It is a choice of choosing hope, and possibilities. And so either you sit and you really keep going over and over and over, and I'm not being Pollyanna about this, I know it is tough. I don't have a child with special needs, but I have, I know, and families, I know families who have children with special needs, and I know that there are a different set of challenges. So I'm not trying to minimize the challenges. Please, please, I hope that people will understand that. But what I am saying is that we either sit at a place in our lives where we count our problems or we really then decide, okay, I'm going to balance and look at the blessings in my life and I need to start taking stock of those blessings and how I leverage those blessings. I lost my job, Judge. How do you expect me to be hopeful Well, what is it that you have always wanted to do that maybe this is a way that you can step out and start doing some other things? Well, I've always wanted to have a daycare center. Maybe you start small and maybe you get a few children and you stay in your home and you begin to build that business that you wouldn't have been able to build had you not lost your job. Um, You know, I've always wanted to design clothes and so... Maybe in these hard economic times, you start making some prom dresses and some wedding dresses for the the upcoming weddings this season as a way to start bridging those economic gaps. And and maybe you take on a a different piece of doing some limousine driving for a company because you want to learn that because that's what you ultimately want to own in your life. I don't know what that piece is, but we have to look at how we take these challenges in our lives and how we might leverage them to make new bridges in our lives through this dark valley. Uh, Because we are, we're all going through really difficult times. The economy is upside down. People that we love are being hurt, losing jobs. People have cancer. People are struggling. People are losing their homes. I mean, we can just go on with a long litany of things. The question is, what might we do differently? And how might we turn it so that we figure out where the lining is in this? And, you know, the chapter about... Either we're going to be a victim, or we're right. going to be victorious. Another chapter talks about, you know, doing the best we can with what we have.
0: Quick story. Well, stories. that's actually the next um, chapter that I was going oh, to okay. discuss. Uh, but actually, you know, when you were saying that, uh, this, you know, the phrase I'm sure you know you've always heard it, but it just sounds so true. You know, when one door um, closes, another opens. It's just hell in the hallway um you know yes, and i think that yes, that yes. You know, i think that people have to keep that in mind that you know you have to look at the positive in what's behind you and what could be in front of you instead of you know dwelling on what you've lost and you know that comes into the victim or victorious And, you know, I love this, and I love that you say um, that we often overlook how many choices we have because of the many real demands we face from day to day. And, you know, this is never truer than with raising a child with a disability. So um, tell us a little bit about that, being the victim or making it and being victorious.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it's It's how we define ourselves. How do you define yourself in terms of the broader world? And so if you go around talking about what you don't have um, instead of leveraging what you do have, then you'll always be in the status of being a victim. Probably a very common example that all of us can relate to is the woman whose husband left her. And Judge, you know, I put him through college. I did this. We had two kids. We had three kids. He walked out on me. He married a friend of mine. And I said, you know if he left you with these three kids and married your good friend, you don't need either of them in your life. Right. And so are you going to stay at a point of the energy of hating him, or are you going to take that energy and try to redefine and make a new life for you and your children? And I literally had this conversation with a young woman, and she said, because I am a divorce, I am divorced. And she said, Glenda, I don't understand how you and your children can be so happy and thrive and be so close. And I said, I had to take, although it was my choice to get a divorce, I had to take my energy off of the marriage that's failed and figure out how I redefine this new family as a single mother. And I had to say, we're going to be victorious. We are going to claim victory in this situation. And so I moved from a, house that was my dream house and i said to people i had to start making a home full of dreams and so it's it's how you define how how do you define these tough situations in your life and are you you going to be stuck are you going to move forward
0: You, you speak of um heroes And, you know, he was being known to struggle and, um, you know, despite unbelievable pain and suffering. And, you know, you you speak of one of the stories in this book is um, about horrific abuse, uh, sexual abuse of a six-year-old girl who was before you in court and who over the course of her lifetime um, transformed her situation in her life. And it's just so inspirational. And, you know, as I was reading it, I was thinking, you know, why is it that some people are able to identify that purpose in themselves, and you know others are not? I mean, how do those that are feeling so victimized by life circumstances move on and become victorious? You know, when they're when they're feeling so defeated, you know, what would you tell people right now? People now that are just feeling, you know, I'm defeated. I, I give up.
1: Um, that you have to find the strength to look beyond the gap. You know, I can tell a drug addict in my courtroom, I can see beyond the gap. I can see beyond your addiction. I can see the other side of this call, hope. And sometimes, honestly, people don't have the strength to do it alone. And there is no shame in asking for help. Is that your minister? Is that where you go in for counseling? Do you go in for some some counseling from a professional, do you look for some help? If you are stuck in a dark place, there is no shame in asking for help. Absolutely. And there are times in your life when you need help. And maybe you have found that, you know, that you are carrying a child that's going to be born with special needs. And maybe that's the time that you've got to go and sit with a mother and a father who have gone through that and ask them to hold your hand and help you through this. There's no shame. The shame is when we've fallen and we won't get up. And there's yeah, no really... shame in asking for that helping hand. And that could be a, a friend. It could be your minister. It could be a trained professional. But don't stay there. Don't stay in that dark right. place alone. And somebody who's
0: been through it and who has come out on the the light side is it's A so important part. because I really feel that you know we are each other's best resources. I mean,
1: uh, we are know, given
0: any circumstance. I mean, but woman to woman, um, father to father. Um, you know, we're each other's best resources, and that's really why I started the Coffee Clatch initially because I think so many parents are so isolated and um, they feel that they're so alone in this and they, they're getting misinformation, and that's really what, what prompted me to start the Coffee Clatch because I wanted to let parents know that we've been there, you, it's going to be okay, we're here to help you, and not only are we here to help you, but we are going to bring you the best in the world, so that you can make informed decisions. And I can tell you that I really feel that we've helped so many parents and transformed them to be really positive, um, you of know, about their circumstances. Have. And that's what this of is all about. Is, you, you know, have. what you're doing and with this book it's just giving back and giving people hope. And what I loved was how you wrote, you know, do the best you can do with what you've got. And that there will be recalculating and you know reprocessing because let me tell you special needs parents live in a state of you know being fluid. That have to be, you know, and then sometimes you're the sometimes the change of course that presents itself is too important to be avoided. So if you could go into that because I think that that's really a, you know an important statement.
1: Um, the, the the idea of, of recalculating is an important piece of doing the best we can with what we have, and taking inventory of what we have, and again, not just dwelling on what we don't have. Now, that is not to say I don't expect you to be ambitious and always wanting a better life for you and your family. I mean, I, I you know I want to celebrate that and encourage that, but in the process, let's not overlook our blessings that we do have and taking those and using them to the best of our ability. Now, what happens is that when we get so narrow and so, you know, wearing these blinders that we can't see new opportunities. And that's why I'm saying you've got to be open and you've got to be able to recalculate. This path is not getting me where I need to be. I need to have the strength and the sense, the good sense, wisdom to say, okay, I've got to turn this corner. And I've got to go down a new road and I've got to seek a new alternative as opposed to just keep banging your head against the wall. I mean, just banging your head against the wall in something that clearly is not working for you. And so the thing that you talked about, just being fluid and flexible and open to the possibilities. Now, also, I think there's an important footnote uh, to that, and that is that we have to get quiet and just listen. And really be in touch with our souls, because sometimes we can get caught up in the busyness of life, right. and we're so busy just moving, 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 at lightning speed that we haven't really given ourselves and our souls time to just really, really get in touch with what really is best for us.
0: And, uh, and I, I we, am, and right. we've
1: all done it. We've all done it. we have gotten so busy that we're like, <sighs> and we're exhausted. Right.
0: It's the, the noise, noise of life. life. Yeah. yeah, it's the noise mm-hmm. of life. And, you know, I mean, parents, it's especially, you, know, you just need to calm. You know, sometimes you just need that quiet. And in you know, 10 minutes, you just feel so much better.
1: So much better. So much better. And we have to get in touch with our authentic selves, not who the world we think the world wants us to be, not even who our spouses may want us to be, our family members, our coworkers. We need to be in touch. I was just having this conversation with a group um, earlier that we have to be authentic and in touch with who we are because that's how we live really on purpose and with passion. You know, that's that's that daring to take charge of our lives, but you got to be really honest with yourselves about who you are and where you are. Um, and 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 learn from our mistakes in the past, um, and and grow from it. Don't be a yeah. hostage. I tell people all the time. There's a whole other chapter in the book. Don't be a hostage to your past. Right. Um, and
0: hostage to the fear. I think that that really yeah. is is what impedes so many people. You know, just the fear of change and the, and the fear of going in a different direction, and it just really just keeps them, you know, held back from so many different opportunities.
1: Oh my goodness And I've seen so many people just Are just so afraid to take that step Outside of that Place That really isn't really a comfort zone It's just what's familiar And even though it's uncomfortable They won't step outside of it Because that's at least what they know Um, And it's that fear Of the unknown That can really paralyze us And keep us from growing
0: Right, and what I love in this book is that you know you really stress that if you're in a bad place and you're in a bad situation, you know how much worse can the unknown be? <laughs> you know that's <laughs> right, really what right. I took out of it. You know, yeah. Absolutely. But I have to say, my favorite quote in the book is from okay. your cousin. Oh, what was her name? Lenolia. 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 The quote was, "Don't very give sudden, up."
1: Very sudden. Very oh, sudden name.
0: Yeah, beautiful name and a beautiful, a beautiful quote. She said, "Don't give up." don't give in, and whatever you do, don't give out. <laughs> and I just, I, I actually laughed. I loved it.
1: <laughs> you is know, that I, not great? And I just, I mean, I have just reflected on that so often in my life, you know. I mean, really, because that's, at the end of the day, that's really what this is about. It's about not giving up, not giving in, and whatever you do, you know, don't give out. Just do <laughs> it. I mean, you just got to keep. Pressing to the end, um, you know, and that's what we're called on to do. And you know, we'll stumble, we'll fall, you know, we'll be hurt. Um, I mean, you know, we—it's no guarantee that life. And anybody who says that they've never had a problem, you have to think they're delusional. I mean, well, well,
0: you know, well then they have a problem, yes. Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: they do. They—they definitely have a problem. They definitely have a problem. If they a <laughs> problem. Uh, right. But the question is, what do we do? In those moments of challenge You know, I mean, Martin Luther King had that wonderful quote That says, a measure of a man Of course, I'm sure now he would say man or woman Is not where you stand in times of comfort and convenience It's where One stands in time Of challenge And controversy I mean, that's really Where you find out what you're made of You
0: know? Yeah, it's very true It's very true, and you know um, I just really admire you because, you know, in, on on um, one of the pages that I read, there was uh, said about you, D- Judge Hatchett uncovers the potential for grace and success in lives that are now punctuated with despair. And, um, you know, I really think it was just it, it, such a great statement, especially for the book. And, you know, even say what you mean and mean what you say. I mean, I re- I think every parent should read this because, you know, it's written not only, um, you know, with a very firm stand. Um, which I guess you know was it, your parenting style as well as you know how you had to deal with these children in court, but you you also were able to bring this compassion to it. So um, you know it really is a great book and it's called "Say What You Mean, Mean What You Say: Saving Your Child from a Troubled World." And um, you know, you are a motivational speaker and um, you really do inspire people. So tell um, our listeners where they can find you. Where is there a website where they can find you speaking? Absolutely, aid?
1: absolutely. Um, it's simply Glenda Hapchick dot com and that's H-A-T-C-H-E-T-T dot com and I'm on Twitter at Judge G. Hatchet someone took Judge Hatchet and it's not even using it but it's Judge G. Hatchet and I am I have a fan page on Facebook because my regular page is maxed out which I'm going to close down um, and so please really you can find where I'm going to be on on my website um we we have a calendar of events that are open to the public. And so please, you know, join my fan page and follow me on Twitter
0: and And as I said about um in the
1: back.
0: what I said about um to Judge Alex Ferrer, that um you also really do read the tweets, you respond, you really interact and have such a wonderful relationship with all of your followers.
1: I and do it's really that. it's really
0: very nice 'cause not all celebrities do that. A lot of them just you know, they have their posts and they say what what interests them, and they really don't have interaction. And you know, both of you are just amazing to uh, to, to your fans. So I really appreciate that. Um, I want to thank you for joining us. Please come back anytime. Oh, and everyone, really, give it. her a follow and uh, you know, check out these books. They're really very inspirational.
1: Thank you so much. People have asked me if it's on ebook, and and the first book is not on ebook, as I I don't think so. But uh, the second book, the new book, is definitely on eBooks because a lot of people are doing that now. So. Right.
0: Okay. Great. I thank
1: you so much for having me. And I just want to say blessings upon you and the important work that you're doing. And just may you continue to do this important and good work. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. Believe me, it's not a selfless act. I get to meet incredible people like yourself, and it's it's a wonderful experience. But thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Have a good evening.
0: You too. Um, next Sunday, I have Dr. Valerie Hu as my guest, and she is a world-renowned researcher at George Washington University, and she is going to be coming on and giving us information about what they are finding about autism that is absolutely incredible. So that will be next Sunday night. And um, as I end the show every night, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent. Thank you for joining us tonight on The Coffee Clutch.